the That's Good From You podcast welcomes you into a dynamic conversation about faith and following King Jesus in a complex world. Join us as we grapple with difficult questions and learn to live in the tension. Welcome back to the That's Good From You podcast. Hi, everybody. We are back for episode 14 today and we're super stoked about it, aren't we, Sophie? Yeah. <laughs> we uh, said we weren't going to record another episode for this year, but um, here we are. Whoops. <laughs> uh, no, we're stoked about it because we thought, hmm, Christmas is coming up. Why not get a little Christmassy? Mm. Um, and we're going to do an episode on Christmas. Yeah. So bo- <laughs> this is a bonus Christmas episode for you as a gift, a Christmas gift. As a Christmas gift. That's from true. From us to you. Unwrap your present early and listen to <laughs> That's Good From You Christmas episode. <laughs> um, so well, Christmas, I love Christmas. Uh. I really do. The last few uh, years I've been like, dang, I really love this holiday. Mm. It gets me in the feels. What about you, Sophie? Tell us. Not a big fan of Christmas. <laughs> like if I had to pick a cal- like a church calendar event to celebrate, for me like Easter is the is it. Um, so not always been a huge fan of Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you saying I'm not a fan is like totally underestimating yeah. the way you talk about Christmas. Yeah. She's like Grinch, everybody. Yeah, but the thing is the Grinch didn't hate Christmas. He didn't like people. <laughs> That's just super awkward. <laughs> That's it. I'm not going. <laughs> so um, no, like I think. Like obviously really like Jesus, obviously really really like the story of his birth Mm. um, and his reason for coming. My issue is that's often not what Christmas is about. Fair enough. And so the consumerism and the um, just the fact that Christmas is often bad for the environment, um, (laughs) just all that kind of stuff I really hate. Classic. Classic. Well, my first question for you, Sophie, Mm. around Christmas was going to be what is your most hated tradition? Because we Mm. often ask what's your favourite and I'm like, what's your most hated Christmas tradition? Yeah, I think my most hated Christmas tradition is – uh, gift giving and I know that for a lot of people gift giving like there's so much joy in that but mm. I've just found for many years with my family like we we are in a really privileged position where we've pretty well always had what we need mm. and so we get to Christmas and it's like well what do you get for people who have what they need and so you just end up buying stuff, stuff. yeah and so uh, for the last 10 years I've been really encouraging my family like we, we don't need to buy each other presents. And a couple of years ago, we finally got to the point where we went no presents mm. and it actually made Christmas so much more beautiful. We, we spent time not worrying about present buying. We spent time like being together. Um, awesome. Yeah. And so like, it's not going to work for everybody. We don't have young kids in the family, so mm, you know, it true. works for us. But yeah, gift giving, I really like just gift giving stuff. I really struggle with. Yeah, fair. No, that's fair. Yeah. So... I mean, I don't really like Christmas. That was a good question for me. But you you love it. You froth I it. Do. Um, favorite Christmas tradition. What's oh, yours? Oh, oh, oh. Um, as I'm sitting here thinking about that, I'm like, dang, we every year mm. will be traveling somewhere mm. um, as a family. And the iconic playlist that goes on oh is the High Five Christmas <laughs> playlist. A bit of Santa wear your shorts, Santa wear your shorts, Santa wear your shorts tonight. It's really good. It's really good. It gets me pumping. Even Marky Beams sings a little bit of that. Shout out to Mark. Shout out to me, Dad. He loves a bit of, um, yeah, High Five Christmas. So that would definitely be by far my favourite mm. Christmas tradition. As a fam, jamming out with the windows down to a bit of Kathleen. <laughs> um but, you know, on the topic of Christmas songs, do you have a favourite mm. Christmas song or carol, Sophie? 
Yeah, I, I, we were talking about this before and it took me a while to pick one because a lot of Christmas songs I really struggle with because they teach just like untrue stuff yeah. about Christmas. <laughs> but, and this is probably like such a typical Christmas song that people love because it's a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a ballad, Ooh. but there's a reason for it that goes okay. deeper. So, okay. Oh Holy Night, uh-huh. because of, I think it's the second verse, it just gets a bit justice Oh, so like right-o. the, you know, truly he taught us to love one another. His oh, word yeah. is love and his gospel is peace. Chain oh. shall he break for the slave is our brother Ooh. and in his name all oppression shall cease. And the oppression shall cease is just like that is. Oh, my gosh. Like Goosebumps. that to me Ooh. is everything that Jesus represented. And came for, right? Yeah. Yeah, wow. And so there aren't many Christmas songs that I'm just like, yes, that is my jam. But that verse just gets me every time. Wow. That's pretty profound. I never heard it like that. Yeah. What about for you? Favourite Christmas song? Oh, recently I have been into a good jazzy version of Go Tell It on the Mountain. I know. It's just my jam right now and Mm. I've been singing way too much already. (laughs) But it's just a jam. Um, I reckon Maverick City do it and it just it hits a new spot. Is there something, like, is it the vibe? Is it the lyrics? Is there something about it? Oh, yeah. I don't really care for the lyrics. <laughs> it says Jesus in there a few times, but, um, oh, the vibe, the tempo, mm. all of it. I'm just like, dang, I'll get my groove onto this. It does give me, like, Isaiah vibes, though. The, like, how beautiful are the feet True that. on the mountain of those who bring the good news. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Do a cool rendition and be like. Go tell somebody, uh, 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 uh. go tell somebody. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'll go tell somebody that Jesus is born. <laughs> oh, cracker. So um, good. I was going to say one final question, Sophie. Mm. What time does your Christmas day nap start? What time of the day? I feel like I'm a big downer with these questions because I'm not a napper. Oh. What time does your nap Everyone start? Who has a Christmas day nap? No. I'd probably say it's after the lunch, um, <laughs> maybe like 2.30. Mm, that's a solid nap time. Yeah, I reckon 2.30, maybe a quick half an hour. Ooh. And then, you know, we're into a game of cool or something like that. <laughs> so good. On Beamsy's freshly cut lawn. Which I imagine is immaculate. It is. Yeah. It's very, yeah, it's very well done. Another <laughs> shout out. Gosh, is this about Mark Beams or is this about Jesus? <laughs> Okay, here we go. Drum roll. Today's episode, Christmas, and we are mm. busting some myths yeah. about the Christmas story. Yep. We're pretty excited about it. Yeah. And I think like what I said before about Christmas songs, a lot of, not all of them, but a lot of the things that people believe to be true about Christmas mm. and the Christian version of Christmas comes from Christmas carols. Yeah, it's that true. have crappy theology yeah yeah so not all of them do but some of them teach we us some pretty bad stuff <laughs> we'll get into that in a yeah. bit but why not just kick us off we yep. are going to go through some myths about mm. christmas and we're just going to bust them yep we're going to debunk some myths yep. right here right now so sophie kick us off with our first myth yep so number one uh perhaps this might not be a surprise to some of you but it's probably worth saying jesus wasn't born on the 25th of December. <laughs> so we might celebrate Christmas on the 25th of December. Um, most, you know, uh, w- nations around the world that celebrate Christmas, 25th of December, mm-hmm. um, not the day Jesus was born. So there's lots of stories about it, um, the 25th of December being a pagan um, mm-hmm. religious festival and that, you know, Christians t- took that over. Um, mm-hmm. So there's many stories out there as to why it happened. But for me, the fact that we chose the 25th of December to be the day we celebrate doesn't really matter it's not the point yeah Yeah, it doesn't change anything but it's kind of like um 
the Queen's birthday long weekend or now the King's birthday long yeah. weekend in Australia, yeah. it's not actually the date of the birth of the King or Queen. It's the representative day that we mm-hmm. celebrate. Yep. Um, and so we celebrate Jesus' birth on the 25th of December, but it was actually more likely that he was born in the spring but the spring in the Northern Hemisphere. Hmm. So that's our autumn in Australia. So probably sometime in March. Weird thought, isn't it? It is really weird, but that would massively clash with Easter. And so it's (laughs) really lucky we don't back. Seriously, Jesus is born a week later. He's dead. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of the way our lives work, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, true that. Yeah. All right. We are going to move quickly to myth (coughs) number two. And that is that Jesus wasn't born in 0 A.D., what? I know. So the timeline that we assume that Jesus was born is actually incorrect. So mm. AD is known for or known as Anno Domini, um, which is actually translated in the Latin to mean the year of the Lord. So the year of the Lord, zero AD. AD is what we assume or yeah. what we or come to believe. One AD because technically zero doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. But for right. the sake of argument. Right. Hmm. But the thing is, the biblical text, it points to the fact that Jesus was born around the time of Herod, that he was reigning, and that's pointed out in like Matthew 2 verse 1. Mm. And the Bible explains that King Herod, he decreed that all baby boys under the age of two in Bethlehem would be killed, were to be killed. And so he was just like threatened of a new king coming mm. on board and he was like, heck, I'm going to kill all babies under mm. two. But here's the catch. History tells us that Herod died somewhere between 4 BC Mm. and 6 BC, Mm. which meant that Jesus would have had to be born prior to Herod dying Yeah, if he heard about Jesus being born. So we're thinking Jesus is not born. Well, we're not thinking. History kind of tells us that Jesus was not born 0 AD, but that Jesus would have been born somewhere between 4 to 6 BC. Yeah, so Jesus is probably a little bit older than people might think when he dies, Mm. even though the evidence for Jesus dying at 33 is pretty slim. Mm. Um, But, yeah, it's just really interesting to think about. He wasn't wasn't born at the turn of the, what do we call it, millennia? I don't know. Wasn't at the turn of us moving from BC to AD. Yep, good way to put it. Great. Yeah. All right, number three. (laughs) This one gets people, so I'm really sorry in advance. Um, The donkey in the Christmas story doesn't exist. (laughs) I know. um, Every Christmas card, every Christmas, I don't know. Nativity play. play that I've (laughs) ever been in. Someone dresses up as a donkey (laughs) with like a sheet over them. (laughs) Yeah, where it's a human and Mary's riding the human donkey. (laughs) I'm I'm really sorry for you if you missed out on being a part of a Christmas nativity play in your childhood because... What a wild time that was. Oh, it's funny. But there's actually no donkey in the Christmas story in the biblical text. Now, Jesus rides on a donkey into Jerusalem in the last, like the beginning of the last week of his life. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's donkeys in the story. Yeah, right. And there's a chance that because, like it was a long trip. It was like, I don't know, 80 miles, people say. I don't know what that is in kilometres. It's a long way. And mm. so there's a chance that they had animals that they were traveling on. But the point is that we have looked at the Christmas story and there's a gap there in the text and mm-hmm. we've filled it with something yep. that's not actually there. So like it's fine that yeah. we've done that, but there is actually no donkey yeah, the in the story. Yeah, doesn't say it. Yep. There you go. And we do that quite often, right? Yes. Um, because myth number four is that Mary and Joseph wouldn't have travelled alone to Bethlehem. Yeah. So if we come back to the nativity play or what you see or mm. what kind of picture you have of Mary and Joseph travelling on a donkey by themselves through the wilderness or through the desert to get to Bethlehem, yeah. this is just a pretty inaccurate picture of what was going on mm. because culturally there is no way in the world that mm. Mary and Joseph would have travelled alone. Mm. Like Mary's family... There is no way they would have let a pregnant woman travel yeah. with her husband 
Yeah. So you think about like the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Mm-hmm. Where there was like robbers and they beat a man. Yeah, yeah. That's like pretty common in the like parts yeah. outside towns. Mm. Yeah. It's not so safe. It's like this is not anything we're going to risk. Yeah. And so culturally there is no way they would have sent Mary with her husband alone, like travelling 80 miles. Mm. That's just not going to happen. Um, and so the picture that we get is just not very accurate. And I mean mm. at the time as well the census is going on and so people would have been travelling in groups, mm. travelling everywhere to get to their hometowns. And mm-hmm. so, um, yep, an inaccurate picture, just little old Mary and Joseph traveling by themselves far away in the desert alone. And the other weird thing that comes with that myth is that, I, like, I don't know about you, but when you think about someone giving birth, often it's like in our modern world, it's like the wife or the mum is mm. in hospital and the father might be there with her and then it's just like nurses and doctors and no one else is around. Mm. We think about like 2,000 years ago in the Middle East. Yep. The husband or the father is not the one catching the baby. Right. Like, so it's, it can't just be Mary and Joseph and that's how Jesus was born. There would have been women, nurses, midwives around. Mm. It might have been women that travelled with Mary and Joseph from where they were to Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. It might have been that Joseph had family in, in Bethlehem, Bethlehem yeah. and that the women from the family could have come and helped, but Joseph was not the one catching <laughs> Jesus. Cutting the umbilical cord. Yeah. <laughs> Just not quite it, everybody. Yeah, not it. Interesting. All right. Myth number five is that the picture that we get of the inn when we kind of see this mm. whole, oh, there's no room in the inn. Also, not that accurate. Mm. Um, so when we think or hear of the word inn, which is in the biblical text, it's probably quite far from what the original author intended in terms of the picture that we get. And so the Greek word we have for inn is katalama, uh, katalama, which means lodging place. And it's usually translated as upper room, mm. the inn which is translated now in our English versions of the Bible, it's actually translated in the Greek as upper room. And this exact same word, katalama, is used, I'm saying that poorly, oh my gosh, any Greek person will be like, shush. <laughs> um, this same word, upper room, is used in Mark 14, verse 14, mm. when Jesus celebrates the Passover with his disciples in the upper room, in this katalama, right? Mm. And so the picture we get of an inn, which I don't know, I, for a long time, was like, oh, it's like the equivalent of a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> it's not quite it. We're talking about an upper room in someone's home. Yeah. Um, and so there was no room in the house or in the home in the upper room in which Mary and Joseph could stay mm-hmm. in. Yep. Yep. And so really closely related to that is number six. So we think there's no room in the inn. So they go to the stable that's in the back paddock of like, <laughs> like we would expect to have a barn where the animals are kept away from the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually the way houses worked in uh, Jesus day East, yeah. was that, you know, the people would live upstairs and the animals would live downstairs in a lower room in the house Mm. Um, and so the stable or the barn that Jesus is born in wouldn't have been out in a paddock somewhere far away it was likely that it was uh, a lower level of the house and I don't know if you have what comes to mind when you think like born in a stable what comes to mind for me is that like cartoony Christmas card picture of like four beams of wood two crossing at the top to make the like pitched (laughs) roof and then two two walls or two bits of wood holding it up the thing is If you go and travel around uh, the Middle East, particularly in Israel, Palestine, Jordan, you'll notice that all of the buildings 
well, nearly all of the buildings have flat roofs. Mm, interesting. And what's really cool about them is that they, they build them flat so that they can keep building more and more levels on for like future generations in the family to be born and to, huh. to move up into. It's really cool. Fascinating. But it's just the mental picture that I have in my mind, even though I've been to Israel and I know what the buildings look like and I've walked on these flat roofs uh-huh. that you can walk on. That's not the picture in my mind of what this inn or this house would have looked like. It's so weird. Totally. And we do get that picture of, oh, well, the Bible indicates that Jesus was born where the animals were Mm. kept in overnight. And so, Mm. of course, that's going to be in a paddock somewhere in like some tin hut. Or like an American (laughs) looking like wooden stable. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, seriously made out of straw. And it's like, yeah, not quite actually. Well, like who else is picturing the saddle club at this point? Like. (laughs) Is Stevie going to pop out of there? (laughs) Oh, classic, isn't it? Yeah. And related to that, myth number seven, again, think to your like Christmas nativity plays. What was Jesus laying in? Was laying in a wooden manger. Yeah, made of like some crisscross things of wood kind of nailed together. A bit of hay in there. Yeah. And then Jesus is laid in the feeding trough. Well, I was in Israel a couple of years ago and our tour guide was showing us around um, some the ruins of an old building mm. and there was this stone trough, this stone piece of stone that had um, kind of a, a bit cut out of it so that water or food, I guess, could be held in it. And he said to us, that's probably what the manger was like. It was probably wow. stone. And I was like, huh. And again, it doesn't really change no. anything, but I just have such a fixed picture in my mind mm-hmm. because of being in so many nativity plays. <laughs> and all the churches could afford like a piece of wood to yeah. make a major out of, right? Yeah, and I don't know where that tradition started and, mm. and perhaps it is accurate. Perhaps it was wood, but it was just a really interesting moment for me when I was in Israel walking around, you know, the Holy Land where Jesus would have walked and lived mm. and just to have someone say to us, actually, the way you've perceived this your whole life. Perhaps not quite it. Might not quite be it. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it was. Yeah. But maybe it isn't. Yeah, and it, it helps us question the preconceived images that we've been given that we've mm. never questioned. Mm. And I don't know, I just find it really interesting. Yeah, seriously. Mm. Now, myth number eight, which I find quite fascinating. And I remember the first time I discovered this and I was like, no way. <laughs> but um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So, you know, the whole three wise men. Mm. Yeah, there weren't three wise men. <laughs> um, there might not have been, let yeah. me say. So firstly, we get the idea of there were three uh, wise men because of the three gifts yeah. that Gold, Jesus was given. frankincense and myrrh. There is no indication of the number of wise men, if mm. we want to say um, that. And so if you're picturing three wise men coming with crowns and travelling on camels, this might not have been the case. Um, and mm. especially if there were wise men coming from afar, they're definitely, if there were three, they would have been coming with their servants. There was yeah. no way people of high authority were coming without uh, yeah. people to assist them. But really... The term magi is used Mm. as the Greek word in which Matthew uses in his gospel to describe these men. And so his story demonstrates that the magi were astrologers or interpreters of omens Mm. or stars. And so when we sing, you know, we three kings of Orient, (laughs) um, the Bible doesn't explicitly say that they were Mm. kings. They Mm. weren't kings and it doesn't indicate how many there were. And so um, we just find it quite interesting that what we perceive from our uh, songs mm. or stories told is just not what's really written in the biblical text. Yeah. And it's like, well, does it really matter how many wise men or magi there were? Or were they all men? Well, interesting. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, just chuck yes, it out there. like classic Sophie. <laughs> does it change much? Not really. No. But it's just fascinating to mm. see the 
preconceived ideas we have in our mind. Yeah. And the way that songs shape our thinking. So mm. I don't know about you, but like I'll, I'll go to church and I'll hear a sermon and I might remember it for a few days unless it was like, you know, an absolute banger. <laughs> but, you know, like you don't think about it for long. But the, the, the songs that we sing mm. form us and shape us because they stay in our minds. And so you sing things like Silent Night, Holy Night, and it makes mm. it sound like you're away in a manger, no crying or Jesus. Like, yeah, like, Silent Night, totally. Like there would have been tears. It would have been messy. It was not Silent Night. Yeah. Are you kidding? <laughs> like it, even if Jesus didn't cry, I'm sure Mary was in a bit of pain. Like <laughs> don't say. Yeah. So and it would have been messy and dirty because if you've witnessed a birth, those things are not clean. And That's even exactly in a right. hospital, a sanitized hospital, they're not clean. Let alone where animals were yeah. pooping and yeah. eating, right? So I think like it's not bad to sing those songs. Um and at Christmas time it can be fun to sing them, or at least for some people. Um <laughs> not not Grinch. my thing. Yeah. But I don't know, like I just I think if we never question the stuff that we sing and it forms our picture, I don't know. I just, hmm. yeah, I think we just need to be careful sometimes with song lyrics. Hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. All right. Number nine. Uh, and again, well, I, Christmas nativity plays have so much to answer for. <laughs> Truly. So I don't know about your church, but in order to get the whole Christmas story into like 15 minutes mm. or less, it's like, okay, Mary and Joseph arrive in Bethlehem right at the moment the Mary is yes. due to pop. Yes, seriously. Like it's urgent. Quick, get her on a hay bale. <laughs> yeah. like, and then the minute Jesus is born, the shepherds rock up. Oh, they're there. And while the shepherds rock up, the Magi rock up. Yep. And it's like, okay. It's like very two, full yeah. lower house going and that's on. exactly what someone who's just given birth needs is all of these men coming to visit. <laughs> being like, all these men. So true. But seriously. And yeah. so like, it, and it's fine. Like it's fine that our um, telling of the story has condensed it down because the biblical text does that too. It doesn't elaborate. Mm, this is true. Having said that though. There is a chance, a very good chance, that the Magi or the wise men, as we often call them, didn't actually visit the night of Jesus' birth. Mm. So there's like, again, it it doesn't really matter, but um, some traditions in church history say that it would have been about 13 days after. Uh, I don't know how they've come to 13 days. They just have. And others say that it could have been anywhere up to two years Mm. because uh, in Matthew 2.16, when Herod finds out that the Magi have seen Jesus is born, he flips out and he says that all baby boys under two mm-hmm. are to be killed. And if Jesus had just been born and he was like five days old or 13 days old, why would you just say infants, yeah, right? anyone under two? And so there has been people throughout church history, um, great thinkers who have mm. said probably sometime before the age of two, but probably not, you know, within the Straight first away. few days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's possible that the gifts were brought when he was older. Yeah. Yep. And so again, um, does that change anything? Probably not. And the point of us saying all these mm. things is not to destroy your idea of Christmas yeah. in any way. Although, um, I spoke to my dad, oh my gosh, Mark Beams <laughs> Mark. again. Um, I told him a few of these and he was like, you've ruined my Christmas. And I was like, <laughs> dang. So that is not the point. Yeah. Um, yeah. but the point is, yeah, to challenge our thinking and to just be like, yep, yeah. the world we are living in right now is yeah. very different to yes. ancient Near East. Yeah. First century Jewish world. Where, yeah. well, no, earlier than that. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah first century. Yeah, it's very different. Yeah, and I maybe this is not everyone. Maybe it's just because I'm a bit of a nerd, and this <laughs> I literally do this for a living. But m- my desire when I read the Bible is to have as accurate a picture as possible in mind. Now yes. that's not completely possible. We can't time travel, 
So everything we've said today is maybe this might be the case um, based on a whole bunch of different reasons. But I, I want to have a picture that's true to what the life of Jesus would have been like or true mm. to what the people would have experienced. Mm-hmm. And so it's fine if we have the brightly coloured Christmas cards and the carols with slightly dodgy lyrics and whatever. <laughs> but as I'm reading the biblical text, I really want to it to come to life for me in a way that is picturing how it would have been. Yeah, yeah. immerse yourself in the mm. reality of what it would have been yeah. like. Yep, totally. This brings us to myth number 10. Yeah. Yep. So (laughs) this one has been a bugbear of mine for a while. So I was was working for a church um, quite a few years ago now and – Maybe it's a conversation for another day, but I was working in preschool <laughs> ministry. <laughs> Those of you who know me know that I don't do great with kids under five. Oh, so, uh, lol, that's all I can say. <laughs> so I was working with kids and I was running a play group. And one of the things that we had for the play group was colouring in sheets because it was Christmas and we were going to be doing some Christmas craft activities. Mm-hmm. And I was looking through the resources and one of the Christmas colouring sheets was the typical four pieces of wood <laughs> stable. With a star on the top. Yeah, with a star on the top, <laughs> that's right. Um, and just Mary and Joseph and the animals and Jesus and no one else. And at the top it said, Jesus was born to die to save you from your sin. And I was like, huh, Jesus was born to die. I feel like there's something missing in there. Crazy thought that. There's like um, the missing, not just the missing middle as N.T. Wright calls it, but just the missing all of Jesus' life. Literally. That Jesus was born to die. Yep. What on earth? Everything that's written about. That's right. And so it comes to the question is like, what does the incarnation mean then? What is the point of the incarnation if Jesus was just born so that he could die? Mm. And if we're thinking in this kind of narrowed picture to Mm. save us from our sins so that we can go to heaven when we die. Yeah. We're missing a really important yeah, and some of the richest part of Jesus' yeah. life and his saving, healing yeah. work. So I remember the first time sitting in a theology class, my lecturer talking about the incarnation of Jesus. And mm. incarnation of Jesus is the technical word that refers to Jesus' birth. Mm. Um, and it comes from the same place we get chili con carne. <laughs> it's, I know, it's so random, the, like the meal. Yeah, so weird. con carne is with flesh. So incarnation is with flesh or to have flesh on. So it's God become human, God become flesh, Mm -hmm. incarnation. Yep. And I remember the first time I was hearing about it and I was like, oh, actually the incarnation has significance more than just the end of Jesus' life. The incarnation actually tells us some things about the kind of God that Jesus is. Right. And the kind of God that God is, that he would send himself Mm. to become like us. Yeah. Frail and able to get sick and yeah. with emotions that are all over the shop yeah. and, you know. Yeah, yeah, Jesus came to dwell. Like in John it talks in the message version, um, Eugene Peterson puts it this way. He says like uh, Jesus moved into the neighbourhood. Yeah, yeah. He moved into the neighbourhood. This idea that he's come to dwell with us, not for the sake of him just like skipping a few years and then dying because that's mm. the point, but he's coming to dwell in a way where he can relate and step into the depth and the level mm. of our humanity. Yeah. He can experience that for himself in a way where we can say, wow, Jesus mm. gets it. Mm. He's not a far off God, but he's come to our midst. Mm. Yeah, and, and we talked in the new creation episode. If you haven't gone and, and listened to that, you can go, go back and listen to it. But effectively, new creation is the overlap of heaven and earth, of heaven and earth finally coming together to dwell with one another. Mm. And we find that in Jesus. Yes. Jesus is God become human and heaven and earth suddenly overlap 
or come together in a person. Right, not in an event on a cross, mm. right? But that yeah. the overlap of heaven and earth and this saving, healing, whole work has mm. come about through a person and that starts at Jesus' incarnation yeah. when he becomes a person himself. Yeah. That it's not just in this event that happens on a cross alone, mm. but that it starts um, that heaven and earth are bridged together. Yeah. The healing of creation, the bringing together of heaven and earth begins at the birth of Jesus. Like God was obviously doing stuff the whole mm. way through the Old Testament to, to begin this process, but really heaven and earth come together and creation, the beginning of the renewal of creation begins at Christmas. That Christmas isn't just about Easter, yeah. right? That Christmas is maybe about Jesus coming to dwell mm. first and foremost mm. and that that is significant and that is worthy to just like um, stay in. Yeah. That realisation that Jesus is here, has come to dwell, has come to experience humanity mm. yep. as we experience that and it's in him stepping into humanity that we can like – step into our own humanity, mm. like the fullness of his mm. humanity. We're caught up into that mm. and that's experiencing all things. That's like you were saying before, like emotions and hurt yeah. and pain and suffering. And so I guess we want to think about like what practical input or mm. what practical our working, should I say, does this have when it comes to this Christmas season? Mm. Yeah, what what can the incarnation of Jesus tell us and, and how is this practical or tangible in some way? Mm. And I think one of the things for me, and, and Hebrews talks about this, is that we have a great high priest, we have a king, we have a friend mm. who understands yep. what it's like to be human mm. and to experience the full range of things. And mm -hmm. so Jesus has come to dwell with us mm. and he's with us in the midst of the hurt and the pain and the joy and the celebration yeah. and just those in-between times that are completely monotonous when you're doing the dishes or taking out the, right. the rubbish. Like he's with us in those things. And he cares enough to come and be with us in the good and the bad. Oh, it's making me emotional. I'm just like mm. the thought that he could have come in any way possible mm. and he'd have started to step into our world and our midst in the way that he did. As a baby. Yeah. The most vulnerable, yeah. fragile yeah. form of human life there is. Yeah. Like imagine you're, you know, the shepherds mm. going to see Jesus and you're expecting the Messiah, a king to Royalty. come. And you end up looking down at a baby. Not what you're expecting. Mm. And so like Christmas for some people is this like joyful, wonderful celebration. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, getting together with family and friends. For other people... Really difficult. It is. Really Seriously. difficult season, whether it's because you've lost someone and it's your first Christmas without them or many Christmas later with mm. Christmases later without them or, or just you're stuck around a family dinner table with <laughs> yeah. people who yeah. are really hard. <laughs> yeah. And the message of Christmas is that Jesus is with us in it that. Is. Yeah. Mm. Jesus came to dwell with us and mm. so he came to dwell with you. And so I wonder how that shapes the way you view your Christmas season that mm. Jesus wasn't born to die alone. Mm. He, mm. he was born so that he could live, so that he could show us mm. what it's like to step into the full human experience. Yeah. Yep. Jesus came to be the human that we were created to be so that we could have a model for a life lived like him. Mm. Pretty incredible. It is. Mm. Wow. I feel like that's wrapping up. Yeah. Very well. So whatever Christmas holds for you this season, may you know that Christ is with you, that he mm. dwells with you, that he is in your midst mm. and that, he gets it. Mm. Yeah. So keep wrestling. 
keep questioning. Yeah, even the Christmas things. Keep That's questioning. Right. <laughs> That's right. It's all on the table. Everything's up for grabs. Yep. Keep trusting Jesus. That's right. And we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Merry Christmas. Bye. <laughs> What do you need? Oh, I see. I was like, what do you mean? There is just one thing I need. What is it? I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I don't know what I need. Oh, you. <laughs> I, I just want you for oh, my right. I own. forgot what it was that I needed. I wanted you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. The Christmas. <laughs>